Welcome to the Bit for Playmakers podcast. I'm your host, Kelvin Hunt, editor of ChopChat.com. Hope you guys are doing well. If this is your first time tuning in, I uh, appreciate you giving me a chance. If this is your uh, second, third, or you've listened to every podcast, um, I appreciate you guys uh, supporting the podcast. So, um, again, uh, it's Monday, daylight savings time, extra day or so of, of daylight. Um, I don't know about you guys. I know in Florida, you've, you've had some crazy weather. Um, and same here in North Carolina. Um, over the weekend, it was like freezing cold. Uh, I think Sunday morning, it was like 22 degrees. Um, it had rains last week. You know, all, the, all the water puddles were frozen. And then this morning, it was 32 degrees. And then around 3 o'clock, it was like 61 degrees here. Um, and I'm just like, wow, as my grandmother would say, straight pneumonia weather. But, um, but yeah, man, I'm going to, going to get into some, um, baseball, of course, football and, um, do have a, a listener question I'll, I'll tap into as well. But, uh, before we do that, uh, we're going to pay the bills. Um, make sure you uh, check out our sponsor, betonline.ag. Um, head on over to the website to use the mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. I uh, got the uh, March Madness NCAA tournament coming up, and that's going to take center stage. Of course, you know you still got you know UFC, boxing, um, looks like baseball, if you're into that, which is a difficult sport to bet on, uh, is getting their act together. And um, so, you know, plenty of time to, um, to uh, see if you can win or lose your money. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about baseball. Baseball coming off a big series win um, over uh, a good hitting Wake Forest team. The first game, I ain't gonna lie to you. After that game, I was like, mm, you know, knowing that you had the break Saturday because of weather and they were going to play a doubleheader on Sunday, I was, you know, I'm not gonna lie. I was kind of like, mm, this could get ugly. This could get ugly. Um, First game, Parker Messick did not have his best stuff for the second consecutive start. Uh, gutted it out, you know, and um, gave gave FSU a chance to win. But the bullpen, as we knew going into the series, was a weakness. And, of course, um, some guys that we thought we could depend on proved once again to be unreliable. And, you know, Wake Forest just poured it on there in the last few innings and wound up winning 9-3. So you're like, okay, that's not good, um, you know. Parker Messick, um, you know, took the L, his first loss of the uh, of the season, and so you knew you had um, Bryce Herbert coming uh, on Sunday in the first game, who's going to get, who more than likely is going to give you a really good chance to to win the game, as long as the offense showed some semblance of life. And then you know you had um, Ross Dunn going in the third game, who had pitched well uh, in his last outing, so you were hoping that he was going to give you a quality start and. Bryce Herbert did not have his best of either, um, but gutted it out um, for, I think it was five and two-thirds innings. And uh, Jonah Scalaro got one of the biggest outs of the year. Um, Bases loaded jam, um, three-two count. He throws one of the most wickedest sliders you want to see. And makes the – it was ball four. Now, make no, no question, it was ball four, but he got the – the batter to chase the pitch to get out of the inning. And then, um, you know, FSU, uh, you know, went on to um, to win the game 5-1. Uh, 
Um, batters in game two did a lot a lot better than in game one. Seemed like they they changed their approach. You know the approach we've been talking about the whole year, going to right field up the middle. Now, granted, it was a really good matchup for them because they had a lefty that wasn't overpowering, and he basically was like a Tom Glavinish type that stayed on the outer third of the plate. So really, you just had to sit back and just you know drive the ball to right field. He didn't have anything just. That just made you, you know, any plus pitches. You know, he was around the strike zone. He, you know, probably will will, will prove to be a really good pitch, pitcher uh, in due time. I mean, he was not bad at all to be a freshman. And um, you know, they, I think they banged out twelve or thirteen hits and, um, and scored, you know, scored some runs there, um, and, and got it and got enough to win the game. And then in, in game three, uh, you know, Ross Dunn, man, whew, man, you want to talk about, you want to talk about. Um, a gut check, uh, you know, started the game rough, you know, Wake Forest jumps out early. Uh, luckily, FSU offense answers. And, you, I, you know, I never thought Ross Dunn was going to pitch seven innings in that game. I was thinking after like the fifth inning, like, yeah, it's probably time to pull him. And, um, man, he gets two more innings uh, and gets out of a couple of jams, too. And it's still throwing like 90-91 in the seventh inning. But, you know, as you get up to 115, 120 pitches, uh, you know, those guys, you know, they don't have a ton of innings under their belt. So you knew it was probably time to take him out. And then Davis Hare comes in and, and close the door. So, you know, I, I wrote on, on Chop Chat, you know, takeaways from the series. First game, you know, Parker wasn't as sharp as usual. Uh, offense, you know, didn't really show up. Um, and the bullpen failed to get the job done. Um Bryce Herbert, you know, wasn't as sharp as usual, but pitched good enough to win. Bullpen does their job. Offense scores. You win the game. And then same thing in Sunday. So the starting pitching is going to give you an opportunity to win, even when they don't have their best stuff. Um, defensively, they only made one error in the entire series. So, hey, hats off to the defense. And, and those guys, you know, made made some some good plays. One thing I do want to talk about, I've been talking about it on social media. As a former college center fielder, I can tell you, Meat has those guys playing way, way, way too deep. I've been pointing this out for three years now, and I think I I probably pointed out at least three or four times over the weekend, and I've done it in several other games where I'm like, if you were, if those guys were playing in uh, a little more, then they would have taken away at least three or four hits. You know, but Meeks got them playing almost on the dang warning track, you know, in center field and on the corners. And a lot of a lot of balls that fall would not fall if they were playing more shallow. If you think about it, it's easier to go, you know, to come in on a ball. Um, and what our coach used to do is we would play really shallow, almost like Andrew Jones in center field uh, in his prime. We would play really shallow in batting practice. And all we would do is is go back on balls, you know, as guys hit balls in the outfield, just learn how to go back on balls. And so I can't tell you, you know, how many hits we took away because we played really shallow. And usually if a ball is hit in the air, you know, I mean, really hard, you know, and it's at the the warning track, it's going to be a hit anyway. You know, it's a double anyway. So the, the percentages say you're going to be able to take way more hits away if you play shallower than you will if you play really deep, you know. So that's something just to keep an eye on. Um, hopefully they'll, you know, they'll address it and and, and start playing a, a little more, a little more shallow, um, and help help those pitchers out. 
Um, so just something I noticed. One other thing, too, is um, I know everybody's looking at the stats and saying, oh, well, you know, they struck out 14 guys. Talk, we're talking about FSU pitchers here. Struck out nine guys, you know, struck out, struck out, you know, 11 guys. And, and that's all fine. And that's all fine. And I hope that FSU pitchers are not. It seems to me like they may be trying, like, they're, which is fine. They're competing with one another, but it's almost like they're trying to strike every batter out, which, you know, it, it's fine. But at the same time, you know, those pitch counts, those p- pitch counts are just adding up, adding up, adding up. And they are not doing a good job at all of getting ahead uh, of batters. Um, and I'm talking about Messick, um, Bryce and Dunn. They are able to get away with a lot of things because they're really good. But it's something to keep an eye on because whenever you if they do make the postseason, you start playing really, really good teams. Getting behind in the count two zero, you know three one, and and things like that, you're not going to be able to get away with it. Good hitters are going to make you pay, and it's just something to keep an eye on. They are they are getting behind two and zero, and you know able to throw a fastball, and then you know they'll swing a miss or or foul it off or whatever, and you know get back into get back into the count you know, two, one, and then throw a, a change up or something, to, you know, or, or whatever. And eventually get the strikeout or get the out, but it's something to keep an eye on. They, they have to consistently get ahead of batters and, and make quality pitches. Um, I, I noticed a couple of times, uh, and it burnt Messick in game one, you know, he, he was ahead in the count at like one, one and two. And he basically threw a curveball right, I mean, right down Broad Street, and the lefty just hammered it to right field um, and, and got a hit. And then I think it was, um, gosh, who was it? Correll, I think it was, who came in and did the same thing. It was one and two on the batter and just basically threw a ball right down the middle and it got crushed. And then, you know, I saw I saw that with, with um, Bryce also. Uh, you know, I mean, he's ahead in the count and he just rears back and throws a fastball literally right down the middle and he strike, he gets the strikeout, but this is, you know, kind of like, you know, talking, talking like uh, Nick Saban, you know, you can't be results oriented. You got to be process oriented in, in this fact. So yes, the end result was good, but you can't, you can't do that, you know, with good hitting, you know, those guys are going to make you pay. So just something to keep an eye on. Um, um, going forward, and hopefully um, those guys can get that corrected and and become a little more consistent. Because um, right now they have very little margin for error uh, when it comes to um, the offense. You know, I know we still got uh, a couple guys missing, but you know they they got to be on almost all the time to give FSU a chance to win. So got Florida coming up on Tuesday. Um, you know they were able to. I'm um, split with Florida, you know, beat them like a drum that first game. And then they lost the second game. And uh, I think it was 10 innings last year, three, two. So make sure you um, uh, tune into that, but uh, going to um, switch gears and, um, Oh, let me mention FSU softball swept Georgia tech. If you have not watched those ladies play yet, uh, they have a game Tuesday and then they play Alabama on Wednesday and Alabama it was ranked, I think top, number two, I think it was somewhere in there. 
Um, so make sure you check those ladies out um, on Tuesday and Wednesday. But going to transition over to um, football. So football, you know, we've had four practices now, two practices without pads, two practices with pads. And got to say, you know, things look a little different. Things look a little different. And physically, you got a lot of guys that have developed nicely. A lot of guys that have added weight that needed to add weight. You got some guys that needed to lose weight, that lost weight. And so that just tells you that those guys are putting in the work and coach storms and those guys and the nutrition staff pretty much know what they're doing. You know, they're, they have the highest credentials you can have as far as strength tra- training. So you got to know, they know what they're doing and it looks like the guys are putting in the work and it looks like the transfers, some guys that would question looks like, you know, th- those are going to be, those are going to be dudes. Some guys that, um, needed to step up that have been at FSU for a while, you know, especially in the receiving room, seems like they are, you know, trying trying to take the challenge of um, keeping their spot. Um, and got some bad news today. It looks like um, I saw two two different um, sites confirm that um, West Virginia transfer wide receiver Winston Wright was in a car accident over the weekend back home in Savannah. And uh, it wasn't, it wasn't, he wasn't driving, but um, it wasn't their fault either um, from my understanding. But it uh, sounds like he has a leg injury that is going to require surgery. So not quite sure what the injury is. Um, so if he makes it back this fall, you know, by this fall, I would, I would be surprised. But again, I don't know the circumstances of the injury. So that's just something to keep an eye on. But it also means that if he if he's not available this fall, that, you know, they're going to have to have somebody to step up um, to replace the production that everybody expected um, him to bring to the team. You know, more than likely he was going to be uh, one of, if not the top receiver uh, this fall. So, of course, FSU can't catch a catch a break <laughs> there. But, um, you know, it's something you can't control and you got a, you know, next man up mentality. Um, one thing I do I do want to talk about. Um, I saw uh, Jeff Cameron. Um, shout out to Jeff. I like Jeff. Jeff Jeff does good stuff. Um, I saw what he recorded something today, and he was talking about um, how many wins uh, FSU needs in 2022, and how critical this year um, will be for Mike Novell. And um, I agree. I've said it many times. This is the year. And that's also why I've talked about um, the ability to get the transfers they needed to close that talent gap so that you're not dependent on you know true freshmen to, to try to compete with um, grown men at several different positions out there. And Jeff was saying that if FSU goes um, six and six or seven and five, that basically uh, Mike Novell would be a dead man walking. Uh, in 2023, basically meaning, you know, recruits wouldn't want to uh, come to FSU, fans, you know, were throwing a towel on him, you know, so forth and so on. And I kind of disagree. Uh, well, if they go six and six, um, I, I expect them to win more than six games, put it that way, barring major injury. Um, if they if they only win six games, that would be disappointing. That would be disappointing, in my opinion. Now, of course, it it depends on who 
the six losses are, how they happen, you know, are they close games? Uh, was was the uh, team just snake bitten with injuries? You know, all of those things add context to it. So I don't think you can just kind of black and white and say, oh, if they only win six or seven games, then, you know, Mike Novell is probably out of here after 2023 because he's going to be here in 2023. You can go ahead and write it down, snap a picture, whatever you want to do. Unless they just like don't win any games this year, you know, something just crazy. Um, he's going to be here in 2023. And so thinking about it, I was like, well, six games would be really disappointing in my opinion. Seven games. I mean, that's kind of what Vegas is expecting, really. You know, seven games. If they win eight games, that's hey, that eight games is kind of the that's kind of the magic number. It seems like for most people, if they win eight games, then hey, we rocking and rolling. Seven games, you know, then you probably lost to somebody that you were hoping that you wouldn't lose to, but at the same time, you won seven games. There's a clear progression: three wins, five wins, seven wins, and not only that. There's a lot of pieces kind of being shaped and formed so that 2023 could be could be a year that, you know, FSU could make a little bit of noise. You know, if Jordan Travis came back or A.J. Duffy, you know, wins the starting job, you, you kind of know you're set. You kind of set at quarterback more than likely. Your your offensive line should be, you know, you you've you've been, you know, shaping those guys up, um, you know, whipping whipping them in shape, so to speak, and so the offensive line should have some guys that are ready to step in and play. Um, wide receivers, you know, you got some guys that have you know multiple years of eligibility left. A running back room, I, I don't have anywhere so we're running back. It's like I don't even – you ain't got to tell me who's there. Mike Novell has done so well with running back. It doesn't really matter to me uh, as far as that goes. Um, tied in, you know, we'll see. But um, they have a couple guys that in 2023, Jackson West – uh, in particular, um, even Brian Courtney is a freshman. Seems like he's making some noise. Um, but you know, we'll see as far as tight end goes, but as long as they have quarterback and offensive line and running backs and, and wide receivers, and I feel like the offense would be, you know, it'd be fine. Defensively secondary, uh, of course, you know, Jamie Robinson will be gone. That's, that would be, it. that's a huge loss, but I think overall the secondary should be fine. You got Sam McCall, Isaiah Thomas, and some other guys back there, uh, along with some talented guys you brought in uh, over the last year or two. And then linebacker, you you possibly could still have the Loach, uh, Lundy. Um, we'll see with with Bethune. You know he he may leave after this year. Um, Omar Graham seems like he may be making some noise. So by twenty twenty three, Graham could be ready to step in. Who knows? You always got the transfer port out there. Uh, defensive line. You know, they got some guys that by 2023 should be able to step in and make some noise. And it sounds like the young defensive tackles are going to be serviceable. You know, we'll, we'll see. And of course, again, you, you still have the transfer portal. So I, from a fan perspective, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm maybe I'm unusual. I don't really 
get too emotional when it comes to sports and FSU. I mean, of course, when they lose, you hate it, but it's like, you know, I always kind of look at things rationally. Um, I'll go back at last year and, you know, look at the games that are lost. I can look at it and say, okay, this is why they lost. If they would have fixed that, they would have won going away, so forth and so on. And so um, looking at looking at if they only won seven games, you know, I don't see I don't see why anybody would want, would want to quit on the program or Mike Neville, uh, considering where they started with him and all the things that they've had to um, endure uh, to get to where they are right now. Not only that, you know, if you if you fire Mike Norvell after 2023, then guess what? You're probably going to repeat this process all over again and you're going to suck for a while all over again right so if you're one of those people that say hey if mike only wins seven games in 2022 and again context matters how they lose now they get blown out you know hey but we saw we saw that they were in every game last year so i don't expect them to really get blown out again unless there's just catastrophic injuries or whatever so you know just just adding that context but I think I think FSU would be fools to get rid of Mike Neville after twenty twenty three. Um, I mean, after twenty, they're not going to get out rid of him after twenty twenty two. Let me just say that. So he's going to be here for twenty twenty three. I think you got to at least give him twenty twenty three, just to you know see if there's a more clear progression. You know, three wins, five wins, seven wins. Then in 2023, again, like I just said, you got a whole bunch of pieces that are that are kind of going to be in place more than likely. And, you know, again, you're not going to be competing for national championships anyway in 2023, more than likely. Um, so, I mean, Mike Novell is getting guys on campus now. And that was after the Jacksonville State loss last year. I mean, look at all the talent that's coming through. I I feel like the guy knows what he's doing, you know, and I feel like if he were if he were brought into any other situation that wasn't as crazy as FSU, like whatever program he went to go work at, like they would be like close to, you know, not saying they would be elite. You know, it would, it, it would depend on circumstances, but the guy, including he knows what he's doing, in my opinion. Um, it's just not happening fast enough for some people, I believe. But if you look at where this program was, you know, three, four years ago and look at the product that we put on the field this past year, despite, despite being a, you know, a really, 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 uh, limited team talent wise and to be able to compete with teams that had way more talent. And that says a lot to me, um, you know, as far as him as a coach, him is, you know, changing the program and where the program can go. Um, now if you, if you have seven wins in 2022 and then seven wins in 2023, again, then there's, then there's probably a conversation to have as far as hmm, might not, might, might not be the guy to get FSU where it needs to go. But at the same time, I feel like even if that's the case, then Mike has 
left the program in way better shape for the next guy uh, to come in and just kind of take those reins. And then, it'll, it, then I think it would kind of be like the way when Jimbo took over for Bobby Bowden. You know, you come in, you tweak a thing here, there, brand new coach, new players want to come play for him if it's a good hire, and you're off to the races, right? So I think that's kind of how it could go. If um, you know Mike stumbles in 2023, but I think 2022, I think they can. I think they can win eight games. I really do. Um, the guys, the the guys look different this year, and they could have won eight games last year. Dang, Jordan Travis could stay healthy. Um, you know, so we'll see. Um, but I just wanted to kind of give a more of a. You know, Jeff is. You know, he's in media, and you know, he's way closer to the program than I am. I mean, he, hell, he gets to go to practice. Um, but at the same time, I think from a fan perspective, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure he can speak for, uh, you know, maybe he's, maybe he's talked to a few fans and they've told him that, Hey, he's got to win this year, which he does. He does. You know, you gotta, you gotta progress. You gotta win more than, more than five games and more than six, really, in my opinion, with the way the schedule's uh, shaped up. Uh, but I think if he wins seven games this year, I think most FSU fans should kind of just hold tight and say, okay, I'm seeing the progression three, five, seven, or eight, or whatever. And then no going into 2023, you know, there should be more progression. And if not, then that's a conversation to have. So, um, but that's kind of how I see it. Um, You know, we'll see. Um, I'm interested to see how the rest of spring is going to go. I know Mike Novell and those guys have been putting in the work, and they have been doing a really good job of getting recruits on campus. I'm interested to see who is who they're going to, uh, I guess, get to commit next. It, it does seem like they have put more attention on the defensive line the way I would hope they were they were going to. Uh, kind of the same emphasis they had on the offensive line last year. It does seem like they have done the same with defensive line this year. A lot of defensive players are in the trenches, which is which is exactly what they need, knowing they're going to lose Lovin and Cooper for sure after this year. Um, so uh, Mike Mike's getting guys on campus, man. Um, you know, are they going to be able to seal the deal? You know, are they going to win enough games? Are they going to be able to um, get the NIL in order, uh, you know, with the boosters and the the law, the way the law in Florida is right now? You know, we'll see. But I feel like they're putting in the work. They're they're building relationships, you know. But again, it's like last year. It's going to come down to, you know, how they look on the field, how many wins they have. And then, you know, can they get that NIL deal up to par and compete with, you know, they're not going to compete with, you know, the, the Georgias and the Bamas and, you know, and all that, but, you know, they, they need to beat out, they need to beat out, you know, certain other programs that will be vying for the services of the kids, uh, the same caliber kids that they want, you know, so I'm interested to see how that goes. Um, but I did have one, one question I want to address before I go. Um, and the question, uh, comes from, um, my, my dude one day at a time, uh, from Twitter. And he was asking, um, how many more targets do, do I think we'll have, uh, from the transport portal between now and, um, and the spring. And, um, 
you know, that's a good question. Um, I would say with Winston Wright getting hurt, they 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 might look at another receiver, especially if they got word that, you know, he's not going to be available. But at the same time, I don't know if bringing a receiver in at this point would really help. You know, it's kind of like with Parchment last year. One of the one of the knocks I had on him, even before he didn't meet meet standards, was I was like, he's not showing up until summer or fall. How much can he pick up on the offense? Um, you know, that's that's a really big factor at wide receiver. So they could, depending on what what happens with Wright, I guess. Um, they definitely will will look to um, get at least one more guy on the offensive line, I think. And then depending on how defensive end looks, if guys are progressing the way they hope, and depending on how Jared Verse looks, I think you know they probably will look to uh, take one more defensive end, uh, you know, one that can get after the, uh, the quarterback uh, more than likely. And then from there, I think it's more so like if just depending on who enters the portal, and who they think they can get, you know, it's more more like when you whenever you kind of deepen the the draft of the NFL and it's the best available. I think it's one of those deals. You know, if it's somebody where they, you know, it's somebody they think can play and can help the team, I think that you know they may jump in there and um and and, and see if they can add somebody. So, but definitely, more than likely, offensive lineman, offensive tackle specifically, and then defensive end. Um, maybe, maybe another linebacker, you know, depending on who it is, cause you do, you have Deloach and Bethune, Lundy, Gaynor, and then Graham, but I don't think the other guys are probably going to make, I don't think they're going to become anything significant at this point. Um, so that's kind of how I see it. Um, my dude, um, always appreciate you, you know, giving, giving us questions and, and letting the sound off. Um, but. Uh, I'm going to end it here and um, hopefully uh, we'll be able to get back with you within the next week um, or so, depending on what happens at spring practice and recruiting. Make sure you head on over to, uh, again, uh, betonline.ag for all of your betting needs. Um, Shout out to those guys and uh, make sure you um, subscribe to the podcast. I haven't plugged that in a while. Subscribe to the podcast. Um, It is weekly. And make sure you um, give us a five-star review if this has been entertaining or informational to you. And um, we always uh, appreciate your support. And shout us out on social media, on Twitter. We're on there all the time. Uh, Built for Playmakers. Chopchat.com. And personally, I am KH Chopchat. So uh, without further ado, um, again, appreciate you guys tuning in. And go Nose. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.